calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. Listen to mysteries about true histories on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This homey yarn Story Club members might make you think twice about moving into a new house. It's called Great Bones. The house needed a lot of work. In fact, it seemed like the perfect project for a blowtorch and a bulldozer. But apparently, it was also a steal on the market. Garrett Phillips' dad had thought it was a nice fixer-upper. Are you kidding, Dad? Garrett said. Only a tornado could fix this place. By carrying it off. The thing that Garrett didn't understand was that on the for sale sign, it said the house had great bones. Whatever that means. Houses don't have bones. They're built out of timber and concrete, not flesh and bone. That's just a saying, his dad said. Even though the house needs a lot of work, its structure, its bones, are still solid and workable. It's the reason the house wasn't torn down. Its structure is super sound. You can do a lot with a house that's been solidly constructed. Yeah, dad. Garrett rolled his eyes. Or you can set it on fire and roast some marshmallows and hot dogs in the rising flames. Very funny, Garrett. Now get back to work. His dad had plans to fix up the house and flip it, meaning he'd put a little money into it to make it look nice, then resell it and make a profit. This was his dad's new business plan, and this was his first house project. It would be a test to see if flipping houses would be a profitable venture for the Phillips family. I just wish my dad wasn't determined to use free labor, Garrett thought, meaning me. His dad had said that hard work builds character. Yeah, dad, you're the character here. Garrett grumbled as he helped out. After cleaning up all the trash out of the place and off the lawn, their next task was to repair the walls. Many of them had holes gouged into them. The house had sat vacant, it seemed, for quite some time based on all the dust and cobwebs. As Garrett was patching a wall with some plaster, he heard a noise down in the cellar. He hadn't gone down there because he didn't like dark, creepy places that were probably filled with spiders and rats. Maybe he was wrong, but he didn't want to find out. Dad, did you hear that? Hear what? It sounded like, I don't know, almost like a cough. It came from below my feet, down in the cellar. Do you think somebody is hiding down there? We're out in the middle of the country, son. I doubt anyone is squatting here. It was most likely the house settling. It's an old place, probably 130 years old at least. 
but let's go check it out, just in case. All the more reason to burn the place down, Garrett thought. Who wants to live in a house that's older than time? Garrett and his dad ventured toward the cellar stairs, which were behind a heavy door in the hallway. His dad opened it. Strange, it was in the middle of autumn, a cold one, and the entire house was chilly, except for the cellar. A warm draft of air wafted upwards. Did you go down here, Dad? No, not really. I only peeked down there for a moment, then I cut my finger on a nail and came back up. He wiggled his bandaged finger. Well, it's warm like somebody has a fire down there. Hello? His dad called into the darkness. Nothing. Grab the flashlight. Garrett did as his father asked, snapping it on, and they ventured down the creaky, dusty wooden stairs. As they did, it grew warmer. And not only warmer, but more damp, moist, even swampy. It was like a sauna. They started to sweat. Why is it so hot down here, Dad? Is the house on top of some hot springs or something? This was not in the description when I bought the place. Garrett's dad sounded concerned. Garrett scanned around with the light. There was nobody here. In fact, the entire cellar was empty. No trash, no old furniture stored away. Nothing. Just some stairs leading down to a dirt floor. Oh, and there was a furnace. A large iron furnace. Somehow that thing must have gotten lit, his dad said. But who did it? He opened the furnace door. It was cold and dark. No fire inside it at all. No, the heat was coming from the walls, from behind the stone walls. Then, when his father tapped one of the stones on the wall with a flashlight, the entire cellar shuddered. Yeah, shuddered, like an earthquake. His father struck the stone wall again, and the house shuddered again, more violently this time. The cellar door was closing, and that's when they realized that the house was alive, and they were in the mouth of it. The wooden stairs smoothed out and became its tongue. They ran up the stairs, which were now warm and squishy. Dad, the house is alive. How is this possible? Great bones, Garrett thought. This house was actually made up of flesh and bones. Maybe that's why it was empty. It ate everyone and everything who ventured inside it. And now it was gonna eat them. It must have awakened when his father had cut his hand. Somehow the blood had enticed the house to rouse from its long slumber. Dad, grab my hand, we can make it. The house started to close its hungry mouth. Let's hope that Garrett and his dad got out of that sentient house alive. The last thing you wanna be is a meal for a broken down fixer-upper. I wonder though if they survive, if they'll put it back on the market as is, or try to burn the thing to the ground. So much for home sweet home. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This tasty tale, Story Club members, might put you off pizza for the rest of your life. Or not. It's one I call Creepy Pizza. Byron Scott knew he was in trouble. The monstrous thing was trying to kill him. But how is it possible? People eat pizzas. Pizzas don't eat people. Until now. A giant pepperoni pizza the size of a Hyundai ate two cooks and several patrons and grew bigger and bigger after each feeding. The monstrous pie would be the size of Cincinnati if it kept eating like this, and he was next. 
It had all started when Byron was out on a hike to clear his head. His father owned a pizza restaurant, Slice of Life. Since Byron was only 11, he couldn't work behind the counter, so his dad had him doing odd jobs for money like making sure the cooks had enough dough prepared, washing dishes, and sweeping up. Byron hated working the hours after school, and especially hated working long days on weekends. But his dad had said, you have to work for the things you want in life, son. After work one Saturday evening, Byron went on a hike along the local park trail. It was the middle of December, bitterly cold and dark, with the sun setting early. A streak of light rocketed across the evening sky. Something struck the ground not far from where he was. Byron ventured toward the fallen meteorite and stamped out the fire it had caused so that the surrounding woods wouldn't burn down. In the smoking impact crater, a purple rock glowed. The blasting heat from it singed Byron's eyebrows. Wandering to a nearby brook, he filled his water bottle to the rim. It took several trips, but he cooled off the meteorite, dunking water on it. Steam from the small purple rock rose up to the heavens. Since the restaurant was closer than his house, Byron took the bizarre stone there. The restaurant was shut for the night, but Byron knew where the hidden key was located. He stored the meteorite in the cooler with all the food and dough, as it was still pretty warm. He didn't know what to do. Should he tell everyone, or keep it a secret? Maybe this meteorite would be a way to make something of himself, the way that his father was always saying. It could be made up of rare metals or minerals. Maybe Byron could sell it for a high price. Maybe he could even become famous. The next day, though, all of that didn't matter, because when Byron went to check on the meteorite, he saw it had cracked open. Some vicious purple goo had spilled out onto the pizza dough. Luckily, his dad hadn't found the accident first. Byron did a quick wipe up in the fridge, as the Sunday lunch crowd would be coming through the door soon. He shouldn't have been so nonchalant about cleaning up his mess, though, because the abomination happened soon after the spillage. In hindsight, Byron knew some of the space stuff had contaminated the dough. After the cooks made the pizza and heated it up, a chemical transformation had happened. Byron witnessed the whole thing. A group of senior citizens had come for their Sunday lunch social. The cooks were going to serve him up the pizza. Byron had thought he'd saw the pizza moving and even throbbing. Yeah, throbbing, pulsating, like it had a heartbeat. And it did. As the cook, Larry Stevens, tried to slice the massive extra-large pepperoni supreme pie, a giant mouth opened and swallowed his arms. The cook screamed, trying to get help, but the pizza kept chomping on him with its gummy, doughy mouth, and soon, Larry was gone. Richie Gilmore tried to fight the thing with a pizza knife, and the pizza, bigger than ever, devoured him, too. Then, the pizza flew, yeah, flew, off the table and leapt onto the elderly man waiting for the pie. It gobbled him up in an instant, too. As the elderly guests tried to escape, the pizza pounced, swallowing every last one of them up. The poor customer simply couldn't move out of the restaurant fast enough. It was now only Byron left. His father had gone to the restaurant supply store to pick up some things. The creepy pizza came after Byron. He went for his phone, but the monster pie ate that up too. And it grew in size, larger and larger. Byron locked himself in the kitchen, blocking the door with a mop handle. But the alien monster pizza was strong from eating so many people, and it was tearing at the door. It wouldn't hold much longer. The mop handle was starting to crack. Byron ran for the phone that was on the wall of the kitchen. He dialed 911 and told them what happened. They only laughed. Hanging up, he called his father. But he told Byron to stop wasting time in playing jokes and to get back to work. Byron was on his own. 
He dashed to the janitor's closet. The only weapons he had were some cleaning solvents and a broom. Not much. He threw all the cleaning solvents into a bucket. When the creepy pizza broke through the kitchen door, Byron threw the solvents on the invading monster pie. It shrieked. Yeah, an unholy, ear-piercing, spine-tingling shriek. It seemed to stop the pizza in its, uh, tracks for a moment. Byron ran. He broke a window and climbed out the back and ran away as fast as he could. His father drove up a moment later. Byron was out of breath and he was bleeding where he'd cut his hand on the glass trying to escape out the window. His father sensed his panic, but instead of driving for help, he went to check it out. As his father ventured inside his pizza parlor, everything went quiet. And he knew his father had been eaten too. Soon, the entire slice of life pizza parlor died as it came crumbling down from the inside out. The creepy pizza consumed the whole place. Now it was as big as a building and growing bigger still. As it grew, it blotted out the pale winter sun. It shrieked, its roar filling the town with its alien voice. Byron ran as fast as he could. Everyone would surely believe him now about the creepy pizza. But was there any way to stop it? Wow. You know I love to eat pizza like a fiend, beloved listeners. Like, so much I probably should be married to one. But if a pizza tried to eat me, we would have some serious relationship problems. I do hope they're able to stop that creepy pizza before it devours the entire town and everyone in it. Truly a pie catastrophe. <laughs> Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features, like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This sonorous tale, Story Club members, might make you cover your ears in terror. It's one I call the Horror Host Ghost. As you know, if you've been tuning in, beloved listeners, I've hosted almost 100 Arlstein Story Club episodes so far. And as I've revealed in earlier episodes, I grew up as Ivy Jones, a girl who loved all things that go bump in the night and was called Icky Ivy in school by mean kids who just didn't understand me. 
Before I landed my dream job, or should I say nightmare occupation, of sharing scary stories from the hidden vault of our patron saint of terrifying tales, I started out hosting another podcast called Sound Scary. It was a similar format to ours here on Story Club, though the stories weren't quite as good. I would narrate and share tales that I found creepy. I was hired by a company from hundreds of other voice actors who applied for the job. The original host of Sound Scary had died suddenly and unexpectedly from natural causes, and so they needed a replacement pronto. Well, I guess I had something extra spooky in my delivery as I got the job. I went into the studio and met everyone, and then sat in a booth about to record my first episode. And then, everything went wrong. First, my microphone didn't work, then the digital recorder stopped working, and the engineer was mystified as to why. When we finally fixed those, the power suddenly went out. We scrapped that day, and I went back the next day feeling extra nervous. The same thing happened again. This time, though, I felt like I wasn't alone in the recording booth. There was a definite presence, but I couldn't see a soul. The power went out again on day two, so we had to scrap that session as well. On the third day, the producer brought a backup generator just in case. As anticipated, the power died a third time, so we used the Jenny and restored it. Then, the script I was working on from my tablet suddenly vanished. In fact, all the scripts and the tablet's data were wiped clean. I felt a cold draft, then that presence again. And this time I knew there was a ghost haunting the studio. The producer, Lana Lange, was pulling her hair out. That's when I told her that I had a solution. Can you guess what I did, beloved listeners? I bet you can. I brought in Autumn Nash, one of my best friends who's also a psychic medium. She shared many adventures with me, as you know. Autumn immediately picked up on the presence of a spirit. She said the phantom was angry. Then she identified her as Nora, Nora Crane. Impossible, the producer said. That was the host who died. Well, Autumn said, she's mad that she's been replaced. Apparently, she doesn't realize that she's dead. She's been returning to the booth every day to do her recordings, and she's mad that there's an imposter sitting in her chair. Ghosts don't exist, producer Lange said. They're only in ghost stories. Au contraire, Autumn said, ghosts are real, and you're living in a real-life ghost story right now. Can you talk to Nora? I asked Autumn. Maybe get her to move on so we can get the show on the road? Autumn shrugged. I can try, she said, but she's really, really upset. Maybe if everyone could leave the studio, I could have a friendly chat with Nora. Break for lunch, the producer said. There's a taco truck outside. Come back in 30. Okay, so I love ghosts, but I love tacos even more. And my empty belly was growling like an angry bear from the breakfast that I didn't have that morning. After I went out, I was just ordering two Dulux Taco Supremes with extra cheese, avocado, and hot sauce when I heard screaming coming from inside the studio. Autumn screams. I dropped everything and ran back inside. The ghost of Nora Crane, a scary-looking woman with a brown cardigan sweater and a long, dark skirt with a stern face, had Autumn backed against the wall. This was the first time I'd seen Autumn scared and powerless against a ghost. I wasn't sure what to do or say. I will not leave. You can't make me. The ghost shrieked. This is my show. My show. She's not gonna go, Autumn said to me, her eyes pleading. Help me. And now I was the one to face this disgruntled ghost podcast narrator. Seriously? I don't remember this being on the job description. So I said, um, okay, look, Nora, 
I recognize the fact that you're angry, but maybe we can work out some kind of deal so everyone is happy. I mean, you're dead, and ghosts can't host a podcast, but I'm alive, and I can. Maybe we can work something together. You can share some scary stories with me, and I can relay them to the audience. It's a win-win situation for everyone. This show must go on, right? The ghost was silent for a moment. Then she vanished. And that was the last I saw of her. For a week. We did the show, and I was killing it. Then the ghost of Nora Crane showed up again. It was on a Tuesday, I think. She told me that she liked what I was doing, but maybe I should try this or try that. Little voice techniques to really bring out the drama in my storytelling. So, I did. And little by little, my ghost coach, as I started calling her, made my career. Unfortunately though, a few months into my gig, Sound Scary shut down due to the lack of production funding and I was out of a job again. That was until the master of macabre himself, R.L. Stein, happened to tune in and hear me one day. And just like that, I became the host of this show. And sometimes, well, the dead can help. <laughs> and you know what else always helps to lift my spirit? Looking fantabulous. Have you picked up your Story Club t-shirt, hoodie, or cap at GoKidGo.com yet? If not, then head on over to GoKidGo.com and check out all the fabulous merch that I designed just for you, beloved listeners. It's always the right time to sport your Story Club pride. And, of course, join me back here tomorrow for another eerie episode after you pick up your scary swag at GoKidGo.com. Because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little fright every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go. Once upon a time, there was a girl who dreamed of flying through the stars, who dared to resist injustice, who lived to a beat and a rhythm that was all her own. Her name was Chloe Frida, Oprah, Celia Cruz, Josephine, Greta, Ruth, Alice. One day, she wondered, could today be the beginning of something new? This was her one opportunity to do something, something big. So that's exactly what she did. Along the way, she discovered that she wasn't alone. Her body felt strong, her mind sharp. She was prepared to work as hard as it took. Her words were making a real change, and she felt powerful. I'm Gail King. I'm Andrea Day. I'm Diane Gibbons. I'm Lindsay Vaughn. I'm Jamila Jamal. I'm Anita Hill. I'm Brenda Chapman. I'm Alana Glazer. And this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio.